0: If you're busy, it's easy to overlook the fact that reflecting on our progress is just as important as making the progress itself. Without checking how we're doing, how can we know whether we're heading in the right direction? We're drawing to the end of season five of Subject Matter, and it's the perfect opportunity to look back and reflect on the biggest lessons from the season shared by the founders, CEOs, and Mavericks that we've learned from together so far. This season has very much had philosophical inquiry running as a thread throughout it. And in the spirit of great philosophical inquiry, and before we get into the meat of today's episode, I'd love to ask you to ask yourself three questions. Firstly, what one question could I ask myself that might change my trajectory? Second, what is the one word that describes my trajectory? core value, and we'll get into that in just a second. And third and finally, what one decision can I make today that my 80-year-old self will thank me for? I realize that these questions aren't easy, and that's the point. Asking ourselves tough questions and being honest with ourselves and our answers is fundamental to personal and professional growth, and I can testify to this, as I'm sure all of the guests from this season can as well. In this episode, we're going to condense a full season's worth of value into just half an hour. You'll hear from some of my own personal stories with more than a hundred episodes of Subject Matter under my belt and as an agency founder, and you'll hear unique insights from our guests and discover overall how to creatively express yourself around a subject matter that you care about. I'm Ben Bradbury and welcome to Subject Matter. When I first had a call with a gentleman named Rich Keller on a rainy London day in an inconspicuous cafe, I had no idea that that conversation would unlock the next chapter of my life. But words, and in particular, one word, can be superpowers for us, and they have the potential for significant impact. Rich's proposition to me was simple yet baffling. I can sum up your core value in one word, he said. At first, I didn't believe him. There's no way that someone's value comes down to just one word. I could think of at least half a dozen that define me off the top of my head. But after going through his one-word workbook, Rich identified my one word as astute. And the insight that underpins this process is that we should define ourselves by who we are and not what we do. My problem was that I'd been defining myself as a writer or a podcaster. But that's not who I am. I'm astute. I see things people miss and know how to turn them to their advantage. And that's where the idea of my agency astutely was born. And that's why I asked you that question at the start. What is your one word that describes your core value? Because you will have one too. Rob Volpe is our first guest we're returning to from this season of Subject Matter who believes in the power of words. In particular, how you use words to express empathy with his approach to the people who come into your life, both personally and professionally. He calls his approach, tell me more about that, and even wrote a book with the same name. Rob believes that empathy is a tool worth having, but it's important to know the difference between the different kinds of empathy. Just any old kind of empathy won't do. Specifically, there's a type of empathy that is most important to you, and that is cognitive empathy. Think about the difference between these two statements. Firstly, saying, I understand your point of view. And second, I feel what you're feeling, I know where you're coming from. The first statement, opens up a conversation by leading with understanding. But the second closes it down. As soon as we say, I feel what you're feeling, emotion takes over and there's no room
1: for conversation. There's cognitive empathy, which is more mental, rational, seeing the point of view of somebody else. I can see where you're coming from, Ben. And then there's emotional, or it's also called affective empathy. That's the uh, much more heart, Ben, I really feel what you're feeling. I, I've been there. I get that. Those are two very different things. And it's really about cognitive empathy that's important and relevant in the workplace. In the workplace, though, it's really about seeing the point of view of other people, whether that's a colleague, a direct report, a leader, uh, a business partner that's outside of your organization, your customer, your client, your consumer. You need to be able to see their point of view understand where they're coming from in order to engage with them in a much more productive way i can guarantee if you're using cognitive empathy in the workplace you are going to have more success understanding
0: is a constant process that can only be unlocked by learning about someone or something and these learnings come from as another guest from season five mark champagne mentioned constantly asking questions to yourself and your surroundings. There's a lot of this quality baked into podcasts. It's a game of listening. It's a game of understanding to take the conversation
1: that places most people wouldn't imagine the podcast goes. Success isn't always about a number of like, oh, look at my revenue goal, although it does Mm. help you with sales, but it also helps you get along with people. So maybe your 360 review is going to be more positive because you're taking the time to uh, develop those relationships. When you're in a managerial position and you've got direct reports or you're project leading a team, Mm. you're going to get a lot more collaboration. You're going to get a lot more support. Um, They're going to appreciate you, which means you're going to, and because of the relationship that you foster, you're actually going to experience less turnover. So all of those things are going to be working together to make you a powerhouse and a dynamo in your organization. The longer I worked with clients
0: at Astutely, hearing their stories and helping them reach their goals, the more it's clear that every one of us has a universe inside us. We're a complex, ever-evolving mix of personality, experiences, and genetics, fascinating and challenging all at once. When I talked to David Wax, the CEO of Handwritten, it was clear that he felt similarly, that's a cognitive empathy assumption, and highlighted the need for personalization to make better connections with teams and customers. In David's case, this was through the power of a handwritten note but it can be as simple as knowing which customers appreciate a weekly in-person meeting and those who'd rather keep conversations asynchronous
2: these days it's really the gift of time so what i mean by that is they took time out of their schedule to go and pick out a card for you to get a stamp but then they also took time out of their schedule to sit there sit down completely focused and write out a card for you, which could take three to five minutes. It's precious time that they take out to make an impact with you.
0: What David illustrates here with a handwritten note can be applied to multiple business situations. As Rob Volpe also spells out with his empathy practice, taking the time to understand a customer, colleague, or employee will make a huge impact on the relationship that you have in creating that connection not only understanding someone on one case, but actually delivering to their needs. If you do this with a handwritten letter or by carving out that time, the message that you're sending is clear. You matter to me. Time is a precious resource, and you need to devote it not only to your customers, but to your team, building meaningful relationships and ultimately business outcomes. Now, as Astutely grew, as well as I grew, As a leader, I began to realize that our A-team, if they were going to continue producing their best work, needed more than just structures and processes, as helpful as they are. They needed to see empathy in action, priority given to their mental and physical health, with me setting the example. Here's what our next guest, Brian Rowland, had to say.
3: The third piece that I think is really, really, really important just sounds crazy uh when you say it but it'd be like if i came to you ben and i said hey ben in order for you to work for us i I need you just to i just need one thing from you one one real big thing Mm -hmm. i need you to be able to prioritize your personal life over your work life for me is is that going to work for you and you're going to be like sorry I'm sorry, it sounded like you just said you wanted me to be more <laughs> yeah. important than you. Is that? that that's exactly that's what, what I'm thinking, yeah. Is that what I heard? Like, what do you, what? <laughs> it was like, <laughs> um, what do you got in that coffee cup there? Like, no, <laughs> I was like, yeah, that's exactly right because you are operating outside of my jurisdiction. You're not in my office. You're operating in your own jurisdiction. You're operating in your own home, in your own environment. You don't have any of my controls um, around you. So if you're going to be successful for me, you have to be successful for yourself. You have to manage yourself well. That means um, if you have kids, you you need to get to the bus stop on time. Um, you need to get your kids out the door on time in the mornings because if you don't, then that trickles over and affects your output for me. And so this idea that you need to be able to prioritize your personal life above your work life is really this flipped mentality that everyone has to buy into because I can't micromanage you from a distance. It, It just, it won't work even if I try. The thing that's so easy to overlook in today's culture is that prioritizing
0: your personal life over your work life, in fact, isn't selfish. If anything, it's what leads to a sustainable and productive working life. Burnout shouldn't be anyone's aim. And so good rest and a great routine help you navigate the juggling act that we all have to do every day of life, work, and
3: career advancement. Balance is essential. In order for you to be healthy at work, you need, you need to be healthy. You need to be taking care of yourself. It's not selfish to take time for yourself to go work out. It's you're keeping yourself healthy and you're keeping enough margin in your life so that you can be present and meet the needs of those that you're responsible for. You can never grow in a vacuum.
0: You need a strong foundation. And when businesses scale fast, it's easy for company culture to get lost in the mix. And as Astutely has grown, there's one thing that we valued above all else, which is a clear North Star. For me, that North Star, our core purpose of guiding professionals to understand their value and unlock their potential is born out of the seven values that we have as a company. Every business will do this differently, but what's important is that you have that North Star that you're moving towards. Rob Chestnut, former Airbnb chief ethics officer, had this to say on the subject.
2: I think for decades, we've all been driven by uh, a Milton Friedman look at what, what a business is, and that is a business exists solely to make money for its shareholders. That's it. The world, I think, has found that that notion is profoundly uh, unsatisfying. That companies that are thinking about nothing but profit are, in fact, in a number of cases uh, creating a, a havoc with the world. Uh, you know, the climate, take look at climate change. You know, companies may be polluting rivers or you know dumping carbon into the air, and Not caring about it because, you know, fixing the problem would actually cost them money or or doing business with uh, a supplier on the other side of the world that mistreats its employees. Well, what employees want, I think, is a company that has a North Star or a purpose that excites them. Uh, And Hmm. when they find it, what do we know? Well, these companies actually are making more money and are more successful than their competitors. It's not a choice between doing right and doing business. It, it, there's actually now a correlation between the two. Um, companies that, that have this purpose uh, attract employees. They retain employees. Those employees work harder. And it's more than just employees too, Ben. It's inter- interesting. We, we live in an age now of conscious consumerism. It means that consumers now care about the values of the companies they are purchasing from. Consumers want to buy from a business that has values aligned with their own. Integrity has become a powerful double-edged sword. You know, get it wrong, it can wreck your personal brand and it can wreck your company. Get it right and it can drive your business through attracting, you know, an employee workforce that's really engaged and attracting customers that become really more than just customers. They become loyal ambassadors for your product because they believe in you as a company.
0: Everyone is different, but there's one thing that unites us all as human beings, which is our search for purpose and meaning. And you don't need to be Viktor Frankl to know this. Our North Star should be bright and clear. For Astutely, that meant educating professionals to help them understand their true value while helping them create a culture that aligned with that value. And it's something that we strive towards every day through our guiding principles.
2: We all want purpose in our life. And I think we all recognize now that we spend so much time at work that if you're working at a job that does not have purpose, that resonates with you, Uh, then what are you doing?
0: Refining your principles and beliefs and then applying them to how you treat your team can be challenging. And it's helpful to think of it in this way. Growing a startup is very much like rehearsing a play. As you grow and get to know your role, so do the other actors. The play changes and develops and it gets sharper and more focused. You must be ready to adapt and change with your role. And the very best way to do that is by asking questions and listening to what your team and the environment around you feed back to you. Constant feedback is great for business. Astutely developed a framework called the Project Communication Cycle for how we communicate, As a team. And you can check out the actionable version in the podcast episode that is linked in our show notes. These same principles, though, are true in podcasting, where you must know how to ask great questions and then become a great listener. And it's not just podcasting where this applies, but in everyday conversation. Anyone you speak to, you can use these techniques. And Eleanor Hagland, founder of Aspire 360, believes the less you say, And the more that you listen is the key to great conversation.
3: What I've learned um, from my dad and from from personal experience is that the the less you speak in a meeting like that, the better. Um, I think a lot of folks feel like if they're not doing something actively, then it's it's actually a problem. But what I've seen in group meetings where you want everyone to be contributing, asking a question and then just stepping back and letting hopefully the genius that's in the room, the, these incredible people that you've chosen to work with shine is the answer to Nine out of 10 problems. Sometimes things will, will get off the rails and then it's just another like pointed question or, or just a question that will get everyone back focusing on what everyone actually does care about um, will help. But truly just letting people shine is, is the way to go.
0: When I think about the thread that links all of these leaders, these subject matter experts who are putting themselves out there online, they are really, to me, just expressing their art in one way or another. Every creator is an artist, and every person who's sharing their ideas online or listening to this and wanting to be better like you is an artist too. And our last guest of the season, Paul Becker, had a fascinating perspective on how art can help us problem solve, and I really recommend you listening to that episode if you're interested in it. This season of Subject Matter has been such a mix of inspiring nationalities, backgrounds, businesses, and voices. And I'm grateful to every guest who came on the season. And I'm grateful to you for listening or watching this episode of the podcast. Season five is finished, but season six is right around the corner. And we are going to be back better than ever with more conversations with people who are expressing themselves through their work and using their voice to create value online. So from me, thank you so much for listening or watching or consuming however you consume this season of subject matter. It's been such a fun ride having you here and I'm so excited to keep the momentum going very soon. Take care.